Hello, this is Alana Sweetwater. Thank you for joining me on the Warrior Empath Podcast. Hello to all my empaths. It's so great to be back here with you, and I have a special treat for you today. This is my friend Kaliana, and she's an old soul and fellow empath. And we are going to talk about a subject that I've been dying to talk about, which is dating as an empath. And all of the times that I've listened to her talk about her dating experiences and the things she's learned, I had wanted to record it so that I could never forget it. So this podcast is really for me, but, <laughs> but for you also. So here she is, and I'm just going to give her the mic for a moment. Oh, Alana, it is such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, excited to share my journey with you and with all of your listeners, and uh, just want to jump right in. All right, let's do it. So I have a question to begin with. Um, how would you say that dating as an empath is different than dating for a normal person? <laughs> normal, whatever that is. Normal, whatever that is. That is such a great question. You know, I think as an empath, we are really attuned to other people's needs. And some of the time we forget our own. I mean, how, how hard is it to express a need? You know, if you're dating, say, for example, an avoidant, and you know, you can kind of sense that that need that you express, which is a totally normal, natural need, is going to be resented. It's mm -hmm. a lot harder as an empath to mm -hmm. express it. And so I think sometimes, you know, as empaths, we just get caught up uh, because we're so sensitive to the feelings and emotions of others that we forget our own. But mm -hmm. I love what you were saying on your last episode and, uh, you know, talking about boundaries. And the thing that I, you know, maybe want to share is that you can only receive as much love as you give yourself. Mm. And that if I've learned anything, you know, that's pretty much the, uh, the crux of successful dating. Hmm. So it's kind of the last thing we want to do is love ourselves, especially when we meet somebody really amazing and we're like, oh my God, you know, you can't stop thinking about them. You want to be with them. How do you temper that enthusiasm and continue to focus on loving yourself? Or before you even meet that person, how do, how do we love ourselves? What does that even mean? Oh, such a good question. And I have absolutely been there where you meet someone and you're so enthralled and so excited and everything you want to do is just, how do I get this person to like me? How do I, you know, stay in their life? And it really comes from knowing who you are as a person and knowing what you need and knowing what part of you, here's the key, knowing what part of you is attracted to them. So, you know, when you really look inwards, which is not an easy thing to do, I think what I have found is that there's three real distinct pieces and one of them, and we'll circle back, but one of them, the inner child, the wanter. The second, the ego, which I think the ego kind of gets a bad rap um, because, you know, you, you think of the ego, but its real function is to protect you. Mm -hmm. And the trouble with the uh, ego-based attraction, and when I'm talking about ego-based attraction, I'm talking about things like wanting a guy who is tall or rich or good-looking mm -hmm. or famous. These things, these are 
things that a cave woman would want because it's all about survival and reproduction if you're going on basic human instinct. Mm -hmm. And these are things that are not from the higher self, and that's the third piece. And when you're going through the motions of dating, it is completely normal and natural to be attracted from ego-based things. Mm -hmm. But when you really know yourself and who you are as a person, that's when the ego can relax and the higher self, the true magic, the extraordinary pieces happen when you're attracted from the higher self. Mm. So how do you get to the higher self? Because I think that we think we know ourselves pretty well and we think, well, I'm attracted to this, I like this, this is what I'm going to need from someone. And so it's really hard to see something else. Absolutely. And how do you let go of that attachment or expectation of what love is supposed to look like? That's a great question, especially when love, you know, maybe hasn't necessarily been modeled in the most healthy way growing up. You know, if you've got a model of love that brings about, uh, for example, fear and excitement. You know, if your parents didn't model safe, secure love, what you recognize as love is going to be very different than mm -hmm. somebody with maybe a more secure attachment style. Mm -hmm. But I like, you know, to answer your question. Um, I oh, wait, I got to comment on that because that's really interesting, the difference there, because it, excitement can often also be fear. Like Absolutely. Not feeling secure, not feeling safe, not feeling 100%, you know, grounded or protected can feel like excitement in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, thinking about it, your parents, they were the first people to say, I love you. So you learned love is the feeling that your parents give you. Mm -hmm. So if your parents weren't necessarily always meeting your needs, you know, when you got to see them, it was excitement, but you also had a little bit of fear too. And, you know, it's very different when you had caretakers that had very... Um, secure, you know, ways of meeting needs where you felt that same word love meant safety, security, you know, comfort. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, the only way you've known love is fear and excitement versus safety and security, what are you going to look for when you find a partner? You're mm -hmm. never going to, like, love could be right in front of your face and mm -hmm. you wouldn't recognize it. And the thing about you know, empaths is that, like you mentioned, narcissists and empaths attract. And, or I, we, I guess we could just say toxic people. And the thing that, you know, I think a lot of people try and, uh, you know, blame themselves that say, oh, I'm attracting toxic people. No, you're not attracting toxic people. Toxic people are attracted to everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but empaths are just so kind and generous and giving, they let them stay. So oh, it's yeah. equally, equally <laughs> important to get rid <laughs> of people as it is to attract mm -hmm. so you can make room for the right ones. That is a really good point. Oh my God, that's, that's interesting. So in terms of like you were talking about the inner child and I remember when I had this realization, which was that the things that make me feel the most loved and wanted and secure were actually not things that I was getting in my romantic relationships. 
And I realized that the reason was because I didn't think I should want those things. I almost thought of it as weak to need validation or to feel safe or to feel emotionally safe. Um, when I say safe, I don't mean physical because I feel like that should be a given. But I mean, if it's not, it definitely is necessary. But also emotionally safe um, to go deeper and to reveal my authentic self. So, yeah, uh, what do you think you, about that? It just breaks my heart because it is just so relatable. Like, I think everyone struggles with that. And, you know, um, as empaths especially, I... I love what you just mentioned because it goes back to self-love and your needs and knowing yourself and knowing exactly what you need and making no apologies for them. That's the part. Yeah. That's the part. Like when you have self-love, there, listen, there's two ways or I would say three ways of expressing needs. Two of them are yucky. One is just expressing a need, like, look, I need attention, you know? If you don't want to give me attention, that's great, because there's plenty of guys who will. Right. You know? Right. Or there's ways of expressing it in an insecure way, where it's like, ooh, would you please give me attention? Like, ew, like, who wants to do that, right? Or yeah. there's, like, the entitled way, which mm -hmm. is, you can either give me attention or I'll find somebody who will. Right, and there's another one, which is to be manipulative. Oh, gross. Yes, you're so uh, right. I've caught myself <laughs> doing it. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm playing this bullshit. Like, nobody thinks, well, maybe sometimes we think we're playing a game, but usually I am not intending to play a game. But there'll be times where I look back and I'm like, oh, I was so passive aggressive there. Like, I didn't just come right out and say what I needed or wanted. I just tried to get them to see it and give it to me. And if they didn't, I would withhold and pull back and try to make them uncomfortable so that they would realize it. Instead of just coming out, like you say, and owning it and just saying, look, this is something I need. And it's totally okay if it's not something you can give or want to give at this time. But I need to know that before I invest more. I totally agree. And you're so right. And, you know, I think a lot of self-love is just having compassion for ourselves and just, you know, knowing we don't have to strategize to get our needs met. If somebody doesn't want to meet our needs, you know, maybe they're not the right person for us because a need is something you actually need. It's not a want, you know, so right. there's no reason to make any sort of apologies you're right. It needs. really is non-negotiable because if you aren't getting your needs met, you're not going to ever fully be happy. You're not ever going to fully be able to relax into the relationship. And relaxing is what calms the ego and makes you radiant. And I have to mention too, with the needs, we're not saying that you need to rely on one person to get all of your needs met. Mm -hmm. You know, we can also be responsible for meeting our needs, but they just can't be resentful of those needs. So if I have a need for sleep and my partner is resentful of the fact that I need to sleep, a very basic need, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're not the right person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about, well, let me rephrase this. I know that most empaths I know when they meet someone that they like, they just go all in. It's just, here's everything I've got. <laughs> and it really is scary to watch because I feel like I'm watching Bambi crossing traffic. <laughs> just like, no, be careful, watch out. In fact, I, I developed um, 
an analogy for this called my pizza analogy, which is, <laughs> I said this to, I don't know, my niece or somebody once. You said it to me. Very wise words. <laughs> Please share. I love this analogy. <laughs> I said, think of your heart like a pizza that you keep in the trunk of your car. Now, someone said that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is a metaphor, okay? You keep it in the trunk. And when you meet someone you really like, you give them a slice and you see how they do with that slice. Do they reciprocate? Do they appreciate it? Or do they just eat it and wait for more? <laughs> and if you would, if you were to give them a slice and like how they handled that, you can always go to the trunk of your car and get another slice and give it to them and see how they do with that and continue that process. But what I see a lot of empaths do is just immediately give the whole pizza. So what is your opinion on pacing yourself in a relationship that you're excited about? I mean, it's just, it's so tempting. And I know, and I've been there, and most empaths are just hard open people. You know, they want to be within integrity in themselves and give everything they possibly can. And it's really you know, heartbreaking because the world doesn't work that way. And if you just go out through life with your heart open, you know, mm -hmm. people sometimes take advantage of it. So I think it goes back to self-love. Everything will always come back to self-love. Mm -hmm. And in relationships, you know, I think that there are four levels of evolution or maturity, whatever you want to call it. So the first you know, most basic, you know, young love is you go out in the world and you find the hottest person that you can possibly find. It's mm -hmm. literally just pure physical attraction. You know, you have the hot foreign exchange guy, hardly speaks English, you know, you don't want the same things in life, that's okay. Um, but you go with the, the most attractive. Mm -hmm. And then maybe as you mature a little bit more, you go out and then you find the person that has the best resume. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is also still ego-based attraction. They have a good job. They have a good education. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they do things. But this isn't necessarily fulfilling in mm -hmm. a way that fulfills your higher self. And then the third way, maybe you mature a little bit, get your heart broken a few times. Pain is always, uh, always growth. You know, mm -hmm. it breaks your heart, opens your eyes. And oh, try to find... <laughs> what breaks your heart, opens your eyes. It's very true. And I am grateful for every heartbreak that I have ever had. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think with every single heartbreak, first of all, let me digress. We go back to these analogies. Mm -hmm. The most satisfying way of getting over anybody, outgrowing them. I thought you were going to say to get under someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way better way. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're being PG. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's also a no, great way. <laughs> we're, well, we're talking about a healthier way. Healthier way is just to outgrow them to the point where you're so evolved that you don't even want that same person anyway. Right. So it's not attractive to you anymore. It's not even attractive anymore. Absolutely. But I like, I like your way as well. That is also very healing. It works in its until own way. it doesn't work. I mean, <laughs> there came to a point where I was like, you know, I don't think that's a great, you know, way. I think that maybe better is to focus on loving myself and by doing that, up the bar of what I'm attracting or what I'm engaging with. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, then, okay, so then we go back to these levels. And the third one is finding the person you're most compatible with. So 
maybe you have similar food preferences, similar things you like to do on the weekends, similar personality types, oldest child, youngest child, all of that plays a role because when you're compatible, you're not really compromising as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the uh, fourth way that I think is probably the one that takes the most accountability for knowing yourself and what you need and who you are and what you value is the connection at the highest level. And this uh, form of compatibility is where your higher selves are compatible. You're not connecting from the ego-based attractions of height and status and wealth and good looks, but you're actually you know, um, connecting where your nervous systems can actually relax. You feel oh, safe. Relax. Relax. Wow. <laughs> and you know, it's your egos can finally relax because mm-hmm. say, you know, an empath meets somebody that they're absolutely crazy about. And this person is good looking and charming and all of these ego-based things. Mm-hmm. What happens? It's not a true attraction that's going to be long lasting Mm -hmm. because it's all external esteem and Mm -hmm. the ego is so afraid it's based in fear of losing that one person that this is what happens they go all in they doll themselves up it's not Mm -hmm. you know who they are as a person attracting who this other person's character it's the best looking person that I can be the funniest I can be I'm going to put in so much effort to keeping this person it's mm-hmm. all fear and survival mode based wow yeah it's all fear wow that's interesting keeps you in the familiar it reminds me of something my grandma said I think I told you this before she said um, I was in high school dating and I was one of the girls only a few of us were dating guys that actually drove <laughs> So that was like really cool back then. And she said to me, when you're your age, you're excited to have a guy who has a car. When you're my age, you're excited to have a guy who can walk. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's, I mean, it's funny, but it's telling because after you've lived a bit of life, you realize, for example, that someone can be really physically attractive and just be hideous inside. Nothing to me is more attractive now than kindness. And that wasn't even on my list back in the day, you know, because I had the ego list going too. I don't even reference that. I I 100% now go by how I feel. Do I feel relaxed and at ease? Is there peace? Do I feel secure? And do I admire who this person is being in the world? Do I feel that they're kind? Like, that is so beautiful to me. I absolutely agree. And, you know, coming from someone who has been single, who's gone through the entire journey, it is so much more of a flex to have a guy who's consistent than a guy who can buy you a $1,000 bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. It means nothing. You know, it's so empty Mm -hmm. otherwise. And, you know, we all, as empaths, have higher purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly focused on maintaining and surviving a relationship surviving and trying to you know make it work make it work just force it (laughs) force it to work train them how to treat you and then people add fuel to the fire by saying well relationships are hard they take a lot of work and it's like how much though how much work (laughs) I mean how much of course like when I go into the studio and I'm recording an album 
It's a lot of work, but it doesn't feel like work because I love what I'm doing. And I think it needs to feel like that. That's the kind of work I have the energy to do. Yes, where you're both committed to a shared goal bigger than yourself. You know, if you're bickering about who left the cap off the toothpaste, you know, you need bigger goals in life. Right. I remember hearing, I think it was my sister that said something beautiful. Um, There's I, you, and we. Yes. And that is really interesting, that, that we is a separate thing that we're both investing into. Yes. And I see a lot of problems arise when we work as an I. Totally. And especially if you've been single or are very independent and just know how to rely on yourself, it's very easy to slip into I thinking. But if we can continue to be a we, and then another thing that I noticed is when we disagree, instead of being against each other, it's you and I against the problem. Oh, I love that. So again, the we, it's we are going to figure this out as opposed to, I need to change you, (laughs) or vice versa. (laughs) No, that's such a good point. And I I think, you know, any part of a healthy partnership is making a decision as a we. So there's, like you mentioned, the I, Mm -hmm. and then the we, and what's best for you, what's best for me, and what's best for the we together. Mm -hmm. Two out of three, that's Mm -hmm. how you can make a decision. (laughs) Right, right. So you had said a couple of times that the most important thing is self-love. How can you point someone in the right direction as to how to begin that journey? That is such an interesting and complex question. And what I would say is, like anything else in life, dating is a numbers game. So don't be afraid to lose somebody you never had in the first place. (laughs) Because the time that you spend chasing somebody that will never work out is time you could spend investing in yourself and attracting an even better person that's Mm -hmm. going to give you even more of what you want. Mm -hmm. So be very conscious of who you are and don't be afraid to be alone. Like get very comfortable being alone. Yeah. Yeah. Even love it because if you fall in love with it, you'll, you'll savor that time. I really look at my alone time as necessary to a degree because as an empath it's hard to tell sometimes what's yours and what's someone else's so I take a little bit of time every day even if it's just when I'm walking my dog to um, decompress and sort of sift through what I'm feeling and figure out what's mine and what's theirs and if I don't have that time and I just keep working and then I'm around people and then I'm doing things I can get really ungrounded and spun out So when I have my alone time, I tend to do the things I did when I was a kid um, to, to soothe myself, to make myself happy. The other day I played my guitar for like four hours and tried to figure out songs I liked when I was 12. And I was so happy doing that. And after that afternoon, I was like a different person. And how attractive is that? How attractive is it to be with somebody who's like truly passionate and truly knows who they are? Yeah. And then that joy you just bring to everyone around you and you lift everybody up. And that's what, you Mm. know, people want to be around people like you. They don't want to be around somebody who's completely focused on them 
who's basically just desperate and needy. You know, I always say my ideal relationship is a person that can make one plus one equal three. Mm. So we both bring out the best in each other to the point where we're maximizing each other's potentials, covering each other's blind spots. And the trouble with most relationships is, you know, when you go all in and your whole world is them, it's one Mm -hmm. plus one equals one. Oh, man. That's true. That's very (laughs) true. When I was about, I don't know, 23 and I had just moved to L.A., um, I had sold my car because I thought I was moving to New York. And at the time, I was volunteering at Cedar sinai going room to room and playing music for people. But I didn't have a car, so I took the bus. And I I walked on the bus with my guitar, and there was this old bus driver guy, and I just sat near the front quietly. And he said, are you going to play us a song? (laughs) And I said, no. (laughs) He goes, come on, we could all use a song this morning. So I ended up playing for the bus. And then afterwards, he said, sounds like you've seen some things and felt felt a lot. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I have. And um, turns out he trained boxers downtown, and this man was super knowledgeable and really empathic. And he got on the subject of his wife, and he and her had been married for like 55 years And I said, what's the secret? Like, how do you know when you found the right person? And he said, real love doesn't weigh anything. He said, if you're with the wrong person and you're trying to fly, it will pull you down. It will pull you this way, pull you that way. But real love will help you fly. That is so beautiful. I never forgot it. And that's what you're saying, I believe, which is it brings out the best of who you are. Yes, And you uplift each other. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. And you never have to worry about losing the other person because both of you are committed to something bigger than yourselves. So if you've dishonored or disrespected them, they're going to let you make it right. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be in this fear-based survival mode. And, you know, I think that that's just something that many people don't realize is the ego is there to protect us. And it protects us by keeping us in what is familiar, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what allowed us to survive. Even if what's familiar is shitty. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if you want extraordinary, mm-hmm. we have to get out of the ego because we're meant not to be happy. We're mm-hmm. meant to survive, survive and reproduce, but never to be happy. So if you really want the extraordinary, we have to find a partner that allows the ego to relax and you can connect from higher self and fly. Mm. So what what makes my ego relax is knowing what makes me feel loved, yes. which I didn't used to know. The love languages really helped me a lot to realize. And for those of you that don't know the love languages, definitely look it up. It is so fascinating. So the premise is that everybody interprets love differently and... What makes one person feel loved might be different than what makes another person feel loved. So there's getting gifts, um, there's words of affirmation, there's loving touch, there's acts of service, and I think that's it. There might be another one. Whatever the other one is, it's obviously not mine. (laughs) (laughs) But if your love language is words of affirmation... 
and you're with somebody that isn't comfortable expressing loving words, it's not going to land well within you as feeling loved. Even if they're giving you tons of gifts, for example. Oh, yeah. You're going to think, man, like this person is just trying to buy my love. You know? Right. Oh, it's quality time. Quality cool. time. Yes, that's my number oh. one too. How did I forget it? <laughs> right. Quality time. Definitely worth looking into that because it just helps a lot to understand what makes you feel loved, actually. I have a friend who really does feel loved from having thoughtful gifts and quality time and knowing that about her I am more than happy to give it to her it's not necessarily what I need but if it makes her feel loved and secure in our friendship then I'm happy to do that it's amazing and also the interesting thing is you know the way you receive love can be different than the way you give love Mm. oddly I love giving gifts I I don't you know the people I care about I give them gifts I don't know why yeah but I don't like receiving them myself right interesting <laughs> but yeah. it feels you know less vulnerable I think in many ways to give a gift than it is oh. words of affirmation so well, maybe that's, that's a whole new point that we should talk about which is vulnerability because it's actually more the power position to receive I'm sorry to give because we don't feel indebted. We don't feel more of an attachment. When we receive, we feel really vulnerable as empaths. I don't know if this is for everyone, but I know it is for empaths. Very hard to receive. And when we do receive, it feels so good. It feels like, oh my God, you were there for me. You really listened to me. You heard me, you got me. And that's kind of a vulnerable feeling. Like, oh God, now I love you more. Shit, you know? (laughs) So being able to receive as well as give, I think is really critical for having an actual healthy relationship. Oh, 100%. You're so spot on. And that's why going back to you can only receive as much love as you give yourself because otherwise Mm -hmm. you're going to feel like you owe them something. Right, right. And I kind of disagree with that saying you can't some love someone who doesn't love themselves. I actually think you can. They just won't receive but it. But they can't receive it. <laughs> they can't receive it. I've tried to love people that just didn't feel good about themselves. And all the love that I gave them was not enough to make them feel loved. And I've also been that person. So I think Again, learning how to love yourself and how to generate that in yourself makes it easier to receive it. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Well, is there anything else we should cover in this episode? We can always do another one if we need to, but I think it's really important that you get off your mind whatever you shared with me the last time we talked because I was blown away by your insight and I still am. Oh, that's really kind of you to say thank you so much. I mean, the thing that I would share is something that was really amazing that happened to me. Um, I have a gift of automatic writing, and one of the insights that I got when I was going through the struggle, let me tell you, I struggled being single uh, for about two years, and the wisdom that I got was you are attracted to the wrong men because they are reflecting back to you the unconscious belief that you are not enough through their actions. Ooh, Change this belief 
and the world changes. So that was my journey. That was my quest. Change this belief and, and the, the world, world changes. changes. So your insides reflect your outside. You're not even mm. receptive to the kindness that people share with you. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it yourself, if you, you know, mm-hmm. you get imposter syndrome when somebody gives you a genuine, nice compliment, if you don't believe that there's some hint of truth to it. Mm-hmm. So my journey was about changing myself, uh, my own self-love and confidence. And once my inside changed, that's when I saw all the magic, all the gifts. I was attracted to the right people. Wow. I'm glad I asked if there was something else important (laughs) because that's like everything right there. Yeah. That's huge. It's so true. We build a whole reality around us being a certain person. And if that person does not love themselves or respect and care about how they feel, they're going to build a life around them that shows them that that's true. Yeah. So when you go inside and change, then all of the outside changes. Absolutely. Thank God. That is such good (laughs) advice, people. I'm definitely going to practice that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I hope this uh, helps some people. Yeah, I mean, as we were talking about before, our goal is just to open up the conversation and support other empaths and knowing that they're not alone. Um, I can't remember if I said this on another episode, but I was really thinking of calling this podcast, You're Not Crazy, You're Just an Empath. (laughs) Because every empath feels crazy growing up and is told they're too sensitive and hasn't yet learned that it's a gift. And once you figure that out, it becomes a superpower. So I'm so glad to talk to you. And I'm just really, really um, in awe of how you're applying that to your life. I think that's the best way to teach anybody is just to be the example. And you are definitely doing that. Both of our journeys uh, led to the place we are today. And I'm so happy and grateful to be with the person that I'm with. It's the best relationship of my life. And it really started from all of the, you know, relationships of the past that, if nothing else, led me to the knowledge that I have today. Yeah. And also, it sounds like it made it possible for you to recognize this beautiful man based on who he really is and not just judge by the cover. 100%. And let me tell you, it is such a wonderful feeling when you connect at the higher self to know that you can truly be who you are and be cherished for being yourself. Exactly. All right. Well, we're going to have some sushi now and talk about how fun this was. And I will be in touch with you again soon. As usual, please feel free to share your comments and your experiences. Instagram right now seems to be the best format for me to interact in that way. Um, But also you can email me at alanasweetwater1 at gmail.com or go on my website, The Warrior Empath. Have a great day.
keeping us apart was bad.